This is episode number 81 with the president of Ellie Mental Health, Chris Pash. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. Hey, what's up? And thanks for dropping in to another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast with me. Very excited about today's episode. I'm joined by Chris Pash and Rachel Stender. Chris is the president of Ellie Mental Health, and Rachel is the director of franchise development for Ellie Mental Health. And I wanted to have them come on and talk a little bit about this very exciting, yet very unique franchise opportunity, Ellie Mental Health. Ellie Mental Health is one of the fastest growing franchises in the country as we speak, and it's one of the only franchises in the mental health care arena. And Chris shares with us a little bit of the backstory of how Ellie got started in the first place. His wife, Erin, is one of the co-founders and had been you know, working as a therapist, providing mental health care for patients for quite some time. She and her co-founder had really just been frustrated with the traditional settings in which people had to come to get mental health care. So the Ellie difference is 
really what makes this such a unique opportunity. They're very focused on providing a great experience for their clients that is far and beyond the traditional settings in which people would go to get mental health care. They're also very, very focused on creating a great working environment for the therapists that work with Ellie, who really got into to that line of work to help people. And so they've created a way in which their therapists can do exactly that and not a lot of the other administrative things that go with it. So there's a lot in here. This is a very, very informational episode, very exciting franchise opportunity. This is a feel-good business for sure, but it's also got a lot of good business opportunity as well. So excited to share this episode today. Excited to have Chris and Rachel talk a little bit more about the franchise opportunity and why Ellie Mental Health is one of the fastest growing franchise brands in the U.S. here in early 2022. With that, let's go ahead and drop in to the episode. All right, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Got an awesome episode coming at you today. Been looking forward to this one. I'm joined by Chris Pash and Rachel Stender. So Chris is the president of Ellie Mental Health, which is an amazing new franchise opportunity that's getting a lot of attention right now and for good reason. So I'm excited to hear from Chris a little bit more about the Ellie opportunity. And Rachel's the director of franchise development. So she's the one working with people all over the country right now that are interested in learning more about the LA franchise opportunity. So she's a wealth of information as well. Uh, so Rachel, Chris, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you guys making time to join me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't need to tell you guys this, but you, Ellie has got to be one of the brands getting more attention than any other brand I know of right now. Um, so I know it's a, it's a fun time for you guys and a busy time. So first of all, I really appreciate you both making time in your schedule to do this. Cause I know you have a lot going on, but, um, you know, for those out there listening that, that don't know what Ellie mental health is, why a mental health franchise, you know, might make sense in the first place, Chris, you know, share with us a little bit about, you know, the business itself. And, and I definitely want the audience to hear a little bit about how the business got started in the first place and what led you guys to the point of deciding to franchise it. Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, thanks for having us. I'm really excited to be here. Sure. Um, Ellie mental health is outpatient mental health. I mean, it's not more complex than that. It's the concept of talking to someone and working through what you got going on in life. And I think we would all understand and agree that in the last 24 months, a lot of stuff has happened, right? Uh, yep. Pandemic, schools, work, everything has happened and it has brought mental health more to the forefront of where we, where we sit today. You have to think about athletes and you think about, uh, we had athletes sit out football season and we had Olympians sit out things, but tennis stars sit things out. You have people speaking out uh, in a different way around the stigmatization around mental health. And it seems to be the perfect time where people are starting to seek and look for help, right? And while we're not capitalizing on that, Ellie's been around for six years. Uh, the magic of Ellie is really founded from passion and frustration of two people, right? So Aaron and Kyle started Ellie in 2015 after they left uh, a government social work job. Right? Okay. They worked in an environment that did not allow them to be creative or innovative. Uh, and so as two young millennials, all they wanted to do was find ways to fill gaps uh, and access to quality and care. And they went and opened a three office shop in St. Paul somewhere, right? 
And the goal was to do what they wanted to have fun, make some money and help people. Yeah. Right? And this business really is a referral and outcomes based business. So as you start to see clients coming to Ellie and having a, having good outcomes or a good experience, they were such as tell people and word of mouth would then spread and it would spread in the community and then through referral partners. Yeah. And then you have employees start to be excited. You hear people that wanted to work there be excited about what was happening at Ellie. And, right, and, and referrals begets employees, right? So as referrals start to expand, you need more employees to, to fill up the, the office. And within six months, they were knocking down the wall in that first St. Paul office, right? Wow. Uh, so we grew really quickly from there. And so that was 2015. Here we are six years later. We went, started with three employees and three offices. We have 300 employees, 16 open locations. Uh, and I'm sitting here talking to you about taking Ellie National. Right. Yeah. And today <laughs> in a franchise, in a, in a franchise world, we're sitting with 42 franchisees and 115 sold licenses. I mean, it really has been a rocket ship for us over the last six years for sure. Uh, but definitely over the last uh, six months. Yeah. It's been wild. And, and, you know, congratulations on the success and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I, I know a little bit of this backstory and, and is your wife, Aaron, right. That's, that's one of the original founders, so you probably have some insight into this. I mean, did they have any idea that it would turn into what it is today when they first started it? No, that was that was never the idea. The idea was really to be creative and be innovative. And if you look yeah. at some of our core values on our website, innovative uh, innovation and creativity are there, right? That is really what it was designed to do. And then there's also just started to grow that became almost a sense of responsibility to deliver quality, right? And if you look at people, and I say, quote, unquote, the opportunity that exists in the marketplace, you see a lot of people getting into it. Uh, a lot of people that maybe won't do it as well as we think we do it. Or you see a lot of therapists or clinicians that start to get burnt out because there is such an overwhelming need and such an overwhelming demand that they start to get burnt out. They can't deliver the quality they wanted to do what they once did, right? So we almost felt obligated to expand and grow as we've gone, as we've gone and then bring Ellie to the masses, right? Like we really believe we have something special, right? And yeah. we always talk about, cute baby syndrome, right? Like we believe we have a really cute baby. Uh, and it's been very fun to have people uh, agree with us in, in that case. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those brands. Once you, once you start learning more about it, you know, I mean, for me, at least like light bulbs started going off. Right. I mean, when I first heard it was like, there's a mental health franchise rolling out, I was like, I'm not sure I get it. And it didn't take long though. As I started learning more light bulbs just started going off. And I mean, to your point, there's a huge need, right? Um, especially everything that's happened over the last 24 months, but th there's always been a need, right? And, and it sounds like, you know, Ellie was really born out of <clears throat> the frustrations that, you know, your wife and, and, you know, now your business partner had as they were working in some of the more traditional settings where people were going to get, you know, help with their, their mental health. And there were a lot of gaps. There were a lot of things that were broken in the system or the process. And so really it's their, their way to solve for that. What, what are some of the, I guess, you know, key things that, that you would say Ellie is doing differently, you know, to help their clients or their patients compared to traditional, uh, you know, ways that people would go about getting this type of help? Yeah, I think there's a few ways that we do it. And one is one is based on the client and one is based on the employee. Uh, and the client angle really is this concept of first call scheduling, right? And I think if you look at people that reach out for help, while the stigma has been significantly reduced, there still is a trigger or something that causes someone to reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Some kind of event, 
whatever it is. And in this industry, traditionally, it has been a reactive model where you would look online or Google a place to help. You would go online and make a phone call or send an email and wait for someone to call you back. Yeah. And by the time, it, and with the, you talk about the amount of demand, the amount of time to get back to you was long. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a week to get back to you. I might, lo- I might have lost the courage to follow through and schedule that appointment. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, or you get a hold of me and you're still two weeks away. So I'm a month away from mm-hmm. being able to talk about the thing that originally had me um, reach out for help. Or you just find someone in the phone book, right? But there's nothing in the phone book or on psychology today or online that tells me anything about the person I'm going to see other than the insurance they take uh, and the diagnosis that they see, which is very right. difficult. If someone doesn't have a medical background, I wouldn't understand enough to pick someone. I'm picking the first one that gets back to me. Sure. So at Ellie, we have something called uh, Daily Match Tool, and it really is designed to make sure we do two things. One, we get someone scheduled the first time they call. Okay. So we answer the phone every time it rings. And then we ask a set of questions, um, like 15 questions that we ask to kind of build like a profile to understand who the best fit would be for them. Mm. So based on these four or five or six different metrics, it sounds like Wes is the best person for you. We'd love you to schedule and he's available next Tuesday at five o'clock. How does that sound? Right. So not only am I, am I saying, hey, I'll get you scheduled and it might be a week or two out, but yeah. I'm, you're still leaving with an appointment and you're leaving with the confidence you're going to get someone that is matched with your skill like with what you want right yeah because what we what we don't want is someone to come in have a bad experience and then not come back sure right so that that helps us from a from a from a client perspective that also helps from a clinician experience uh as well i'll talk about a couple things clinician wise uh but allows them to kind of control the case flow that they want to see right that match tool works both ways so our clinicians Mm -hmm. go in they enter their information who they are their background their credential and their licensure what they want to see, what they specialize in, what they don't see, right? And they can create their opens on their schedule. And so what you see in a medical model that is highly um, like healthcare system, it's churn. It's you get scheduled 30 clients a week or 35 clients a week and you get what you get, right? You might, you might be, I don't say pigeonholed or like identified as a trauma-based therapist. You're going to get a lot of trauma-based cases. Trauma is heavy stuff. All this stuff is heavy. Like just, I have so much respect for what these folks do, but it's all sure. heavy work. But if I see 30 really heavy cases a week, I can't bring my full self to each and every one of those things and I get burnt out. Yeah. So at LA, what we allow those clinicians to do is to go in and turn down what they want to see is that I've got enough trauma people. I'd like to uh. see high school students. I want to see this. I want to do X, Y, or Z thing. So they can kind of control their own mental health, right? And make sure they can be fully present for their clients to make sure they can deliver that experience, right? That so makes that's, sense. that's one thing we do. That's one thing we do for clinicians. Another thing, our expectation of sessions is low right? Uh, much lower than the industry norm based on the fact that we think their mental health is probably most important to someone else being okay. In terms uh, of like the number says, of, in terms of like the number of sessions a clinician yeah. is, is having. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And like Aaron always says, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so for someone mm-hmm. to carry someone's burden, be able to give them help, they got to be able to be, have a full cup too. So yeah. we're about scheduling uh, in a way that gives them uh, freedom and flexibility to, to manage their schedule and their life outside of work. Uh, and then we kind of have this blended concept of um, compensation, right? Uh, in, in like the companies that exist in this space are private practice, independent folks, and healthcare system. And there's things that are great about both of those and things that suck about both of them. At Elliot, what we really, try, we really try to do is take the best of all of those things and give it to the clinician, and take the stuff that sucks the most and do it for them, mm. right? So in some cases, it's outreach and marketing. It might be billing, 
in this case, it might be uncapped earning potential, the ability to control your schedule. So we try to take all the heavy burdens of admin stuff off of them mm-hmm. to allow them to be therapists. Because I don't know many, and they do exist. I don't know many therapists that went to school to do both, right? There's sure. not a lot of MBA not an MBA licensed marriage and family therapist. And there, there's probably some, right? But they went into this industry to help people. Yep. And their success has, has forced them or made them have to make some choices to be a business owner or to focus on business things. And that might not be as fun for them. They might not be as good at it. And then you're dividing attention between trying to do two things. One thing you're really, really passionate about and one thing you have to do to live yeah. your passion. Um, yeah. And we try to do is take that stuff you have to do off your plate so you can focus on your craft and what you're really passionate about. Yeah. The reason you, they got into it in the first place. So that, that all makes good sense. And and I appreciate you kind of walking us through that because I, I imagine it gives the audience a, a much better idea of kind of what some of these gaps are that, that Ellie's filling. And, and I think that, you know, is a really good sign of why Ellie's getting the attention that it is right. Because it, it makes sense. Um, I want to talk more about, the, the business model, the franchise opportunity, um, and some of those things. But before we dive into that, you know, one thing that I love about, you know, how you guys have built Ellie up to this point, right? Because you mentioned, you know, Ellie didn't start, you know, yesterday or last year, the business has been around for a while. You've got, I think you said 16 corporate locations, 300 some mm-hmm. employees. So this is a well-established business and that's fantastic, right? But, you know, I've seen franchises that, you know, when they when a business decides to start franchising, you know, the founders of the business may be experts in what they do and be experts in their business. But there's still a lot they have to learn when it comes to how to be a franchisor, right? How to sell franchises, how to bring in the right types of franchisees, how to get them onboarded, how to train them, how to support them. And sometimes brands run into trouble, especially if they're growing really fast. And so, you know, what I like about what you guys have done with Ellie is, you know, it seems to me you understood, hey, you know, we understand this business, but we probably are going to have a lot to learn when it comes to how to really scale as a franchise organization. So you went out and found a partner that is an expert in helping younger brands scale as a franchise. So, you know, Rachel, want to make sure, you know, you have an opportunity to, to chime in here a bit. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit about, you know, Repum Group, which is Ellie's partner in this, you know, maybe just give us kind of a, a quick high level overview of what Repum Group is, how you work with the brands that you're partnered with, because uh, I think that'll that'll also be key for anyone listening to get an understanding of as well. Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Um, so Repum Group is really a full support I guess, business for emerging brands, like you said. Um, Typically, you see a lot of organizations that are maybe helping other franchises sell and find new franchisees. But then what does happen? You You know, you have a new franchisee, what do you do with them? You have 10, it changes. You have 50, that definitely changes. Yep. Um, so there's a lot that goes into that. And the success of a franchise system just isn't about making the right fit in a franchisee. It's about what you're providing from a franchisor to help to support that growth and how you're planning out that growth. Um, so with Rapham, we have four basic pillars. We have Growem, which is 
strategic franchise development. So it's everything related to making sure we're, we're putting the right process in place, we're bringing the right people in, we're making the best decisions on that part of the business. Um, there is buildum, so that's real estate and construction project management. So it's a very easy transition for LA franchisees to go in and directly start working with the buildum team. And they're getting support from front to end as it relates to finding locations, going through pre-construction, construction, and closing that project out. So they can really focus on things like training and recruiting, you know, and mark and community outreach, you know, all of those things that you still need to do to grow the business. But I, I can't say that I, I would say that maybe one out of the many hundreds of franchisees I've placed might be an expert in the real estate portion of it. Sure. You know, or they many, many think they are, but you know, in terms of facilitating efficiencies and just kind of that replication of a system, that's where Buildum's expertise lies. So they get you up and open on time and budget. And then I, I would say we have Brandom. Brandom provides a lot of tools as it relates to creative approach for the franchise support side and growth. Um, Ellie has their own marketing team for franchisees. Um, and then the most important thing to what you were speaking to with Scalum, um, Scalum is our franchise growth planning division. We have extremely smart and experienced people in this group to help work with our franchisors and put a plan in place. You know, what does it look like a year out, two years out when I'm at this level of franchisees and that? And it's more than just infrastructure of people, you know, it's systems and how you communicate and, and how you're going to really plan out what that next five-year plan looks like. Yeah. Um, so having that support with people that have been there, done that, know, know the ins and outs of making certain decisions can really help a franchise or achieve success and having a great group of franchisees, but also great results and happy franchisees in the end. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's, it's so important, right? I mean, I, I have a lot of conversations with people I work with about, you know, the pros and cons of, of, potentially getting involved with a brand that is more emerging, right? And at first glance to a lot of people, the emerging concepts looks like it could be much riskier, right? Because they don't have as much of a track record. You know, when they're doing the research, there's not as many franchisees that they can talk to and validate with, and there may not be as much data uh, that they can, can review prior to, you know, having to make a decision. And, and that's all true to an extent. But, you know, I see a lot of emerging brands. And one of the things I always look at is, you know, who are the founders and what is their background? And, and part of what I'm looking for is, do they have prior franchise experience, right? Um, I, I always tell people, because we own a couple of franchises ourselves, one of the brands that we own, when we signed, there was four locations open, right? Pretty emerging concept, but the founder had prior franchise experience. He had built other franchise organizations. That was a big part of what gave us confidence to move forward. I'd rather take that approach and join that type of an emerging franchise than a franchise where the founder may have had 20 years of experience in the industry, but he knew nothing about franchising and was going to be kind of figuring it out as he goes. Ellie partnered with Repum is, is the perfect blend of both of those, in my opinion, right? You've got the founders and the executive team that know the business inside and out. They've scaled it, you know, through 16 corporate locations. They've got an amazing foundation and an amazing track record. And then you've got Repum Group with all of their experience in uh, scaling franchise organizations. So, you know, I think that's an important thing for, for people to, to understand, you know, with this LA opportunity, while it is still fairly emerging, um, there's a really solid foundation and there's a lot of people involved here that, 
you know, know what they're doing from a, you know, business industry experience, but also from a, a franchising um, experience as well. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. Kind of give us like the 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 real quick overview. What is what does this business model look like, right? So for someone that's that's you know looking for a great franchise opportunity to invest in, I mean, what are we looking at here? Clearly, there's a, a physical location, right? That that mm-hmm. the business is being run out of. Just kind of walk us through, you know, location, number of employees. Uh, what does that kind of look like? Because um, I know those are probably questions that are are top of mind for most people. Yeah, I, I'll start and then Rachel can fill in the pieces that I missed because she does it so much. It's not uh, not necessarily the thing I do every day. But what like for me, like the first thing is I think we talk about candidates, right? Uh, I think I, I read a lot of stuff and I've talked to enough folks at, at Franchise for sure and talk about like emotional decisions and buying a business aren't necessarily always the right thing to do. And I've tried to delineate the difference between emotional and passion, right? Like I do believe this is a passion business for someone that can do a lot of good in their community because as an owner and entrepreneur, unless they're medically licensed or have a, a therapist license, they can't practice, 
right? Mm -hmm. So they're bringing on a partner or a clinic director to help lead their clinic or their clinics, right? Um, So that person is really out in the, really out evangelizing the brand and and really working on destigmatizing mental health in their community, right? There is just a lot of go get them that exists, right? And what I love about the idea of franchise and why this was the best thing for us to do is I really believe that entrepreneurs and business owners are hustlers, right? When it's your money, when it's your business, you're hustling at a pace that other people don't. And you heard me say before that therapists in general, again, not broad brushing, aren't built to do both. In some cases, some people do it really successfully, but the mass is not built to do both. Yep. So when you find somebody really get out and hustle and advocate and evangelize to, to bring someone to really good therapy, that starts to really serve the, the community really strongly. Uh, but so that owner uh, has a physical location, a clinic director or one leader, um, and then they have between 10 and 14 offices, 10 and 12 offices, I don't, I don't know the number that we're using, but it's a different amount of offices. And the beauty of, of today's environment is you can, we also do telehealth or virtual therapy. Mm. So think about the amount of people you can serve in your community. If you got to have a 10 office location, you could probably get 12 to 15 clinicians in that, in that space and have them share office space or work out a schedule in which you could have some people be seen virtually and physically at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of get economy of scale as you work in a virtual environment. Everyone in the everyone in the clinic is is revenue producing. I say revenue, but everyone sees patients, even the yep. clinic director, right? There's no admin, there's no wasted space. Uh, we use a an iPad for check in, right, to give people discreet ability to check in. Small waiting rooms. Um, there's really not a lot of overhead associated with the business that exists outside of the rent, right? The way we set up our fee structure really allows the overhead to scale as the employees scale, right? Mm-hmm. There's just the models built in a way that, that doesn't have a lot of monthly overhead expense. Uh, and the other thing we do is everything's really based on economy of scale, right? All the things we do from getting an insurance contract or getting a leader in place, knowing that outreach is all done one time, right? So if you open location two or location three, you've already had all that stuff taken care of, right? You're spreading that clinic director out over two locations instead of one. The insurance contracts carry from one place to the next. Like there's a lot of things that as you scale, start to scale the business in a way that's much more meaningfully, much more meaningful financially faster in those locations. Right? Yep. Um, but for me, it's really time, space, uh, and economy of scale. Rachel, what am I missing? I thank you. I mean, hit it in terms of overall business model. Yeah, I think some key things that you said are the revenue producing employees, yeah. you, you know, and, and the most important piece of that, it's not just that we're taking that off the franchisee's plate and the clinic directors that doesn't need to worry about managing an admin person and all of that. It's also the fact that we are, we are touching that potential patient the minute that they're calling in and we're responding to them. So when Chris was speaking to our client access team, you know, our, our call center that's taking those calls and scheduling those patients. We, we have consistency. We know what we need to get. We, we aren't, um, you know, there's not someone else walking in the door that they're distracted by. So there's a, gen, a, a genuine consistency and professionalism in how we're communicating with a patient from beginning to end. And, and that's really important too, you know, just having the resources that you know you can depend on that are experts in doing it, you know, billing and collections, LA takes care of that yeah. and they do it very well. You know, they have high standards for how they execute that. And there's many ways you can execute billing, you know, but they're, they're doing it above and beyond. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's for franchisees, 
you know, I do get a lot of questions of, well, what, what is my role? You know, I'm not a licensed therapist, you know, because all of our franchisees right now, but not soon to be, are, are not licensed therapists, you know, yeah. and their role is really to take that business mindset that most therapists don't really want to dabble in and help that business dynamically grow in the community, you know, and really, and they care about it. And to Chris's point, they're hustlers, you know, so they want to do that. And at the same time, have a great relationship with their clinic director so that they can help improve performance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad we hit on that. Right. Cause I would imagine that's a question that, that pops into most people's mind as they're, they're listening to this. Oh yeah, it all makes sense. You know, sounds like a good opportunity. I see the need. I see how they're doing it differently, but you know, I'm not a therapist, so this mm-hmm. isn't the business for me. And we see this, you know, Rachel, you've worked with many yeah. brands over the years. We mm-hmm. see this often, you know, with any franchise that's really looking for just good business people to be their mm-hmm. franchise owners. You know, most mm-hmm. brands are not looking for the franchise owner that wants to be the guy or the gal out there providing the actual service, right? If it's a a home service brand, most brands don't want the owner swinging the hammer themselves. They're looking for business people that can build and manage a team and establish a good culture. And what I like about Ellie is, you know, it does sound like a big focus for the franchise owner is just kind of getting out into the community, being the face of the business and creating awareness. And I think that's something that for, for any franchise owner that has, you know, some passion for for helping people with their mental health that's that's like a dream role um you know for for these franchise owners so you know that's an very a very important takeaway right you don't need to have a background in you know being a licensed therapist or clinician to potentially be a good fit to to own an ellie franchise and mm-hmm. a couple of the things that i've learned you guys hit on some of this but that I just want to reiterate because, you know, in my eyes, owning franchises, working with so many brands, these are a couple of things that, that Ellie's doing that are just huge in my eyes. One, you know, Rachel, you hit it on it. The, the admin piece is not a responsibility of the franchise owner or anyone on their team, right? So you've got a call center, Chris, you've talked about the importance of, you know, answering the phone when it rings, getting people on the schedule immediately. That is so critical and it's something that's very, very difficult for most small businesses to do themselves, especially in the beginning when they're starting out. You know, so often it ends up being the the owner that's, you know, glued to their cell phone 24-7, trying to never miss a call. And, and they're driving down the road trying to talk to someone and schedule them. So the fact that you've got the call center in place and, and that's efficient and that's getting the results for the franchise owners as well for the, the clients, that's huge. And then the the billing and the collections that you mentioned, Rachel, because I, I imagine that's something that that could potentially be seen as challenging for someone looking at a franchise, right? Is, you know, if, if some of the revenues coming from insurance pay, I don't know anything about how to bill insurance. You know, I'm going to have to hire someone and pay them to do it. But in reality, you guys are taking all of that off the plate of the franchise owners. They don't even have to have anyone on their team that does it that's that's different you're not going to find many franchises out there that 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 component is completely handled by the franchisor um and then the last thing with the business model i mean chris you did a really good job of kind of explaining why you know for a a therapist or a clinician it could really be advantageous for them to work at an le location versus being on their own or working in more of a traditional setting but when i look at it through an owner's eyes one of the things that that is intriguing to me and tell me if I'm thinking about this wrong, but I would imagine 
you know, when, when a new franchise owner starts recruiting in that first, that clinical director, right? That clinical director's a, a licensed therapist themselves, if I understand it correctly, they probably have a network of other therapists, right? So that first hire is probably going to help you then bring in, uh, you know, the first, what, what are you shooting for? Like three or four uh, therapists in order to be able to launch, or do you want more than that? What's kind of the, the target for number of therapists you want on board before you officially open? We would start with, with three for sure. And yeah. then slowly ramp, right? The nice thing to also think about is these folks that are licensed come along with, with patients, right? Like yes. Patients are attached to people. They're not attached to the place, right? So when you find someone to come work at Ellie, uh, in the case, case they're licensed, they're bringing people along with them. So you're yeah. starting from a business perspective, you're starting with some revenue as you go. That's exactly what I was getting at. And that's, that's huge. Right. Um, Cause quick ramp up is important, right? It's, it's one of the things that scares people the most about starting a business. They may be able to see the long-term potential, but it's, what does the first six or 12 months look like? Can I survive that? And that's what, in my experience stops a lot of people from actually, you know, moving forward with something. So I think that's, that's huge, right. Is you've kind of got uh, a business model where, you know, you make that first hire, they're going to help you in all likelihood, they're going to help you make the additional hires that you need. And then those hires are going to be bringing clients in with them. So talk to me a little bit about, cause look, especially if, if anyone's listening to the news or reading online these days, all you hear about is it's impossible to hire good people. No one wants to work, et cetera. How, how does a new franchisee, especially if they have no background in, um, you know, the mental health services arena, how, how do they go about finding that clinical director? Is that something you guys are in a position to help with? Are you giving guidance? What is, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, we're helping in, in a lot of different ways. And the first thing I'd say is the concept of like the great what is it? Exit? What are people calling it? Whatever. No one. The no great resignation, right? I think is the great resignation. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, so in in this in this world, what at Ellie we have extremely low turnover overall as a company, um, and you have people leave to go do their own thing, but we haven't experienced this great resignation because a lot of things. One, these folks went to school for a long time, and it's been a lot of time, a lot of their life building their craft. Yeah. Right. So it's not something you just walk away from. Right. So that, that's one thing. Uh, two, I think the way we help is a lot of different ways. One, we, we, we have creative job postings. We have creative language that gets people interested, but we have a, a team of people dedicated to helping us with interview questions, with rubrics and scoring mechanisms to make sure we're getting the right folks. And as you think about the idea of like starting to get into doing local outreach or starting to do some of the insurance contracting you start to find these people through those conversations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we just had someone uh, go down to Dallas for us. One of our employees go down to a conference in Dallas uh, just to give Ellie some exposure. And she has like 35 names of people, right? And it's just <laughs> wow. a conversation and excitement and whatever. Like it is definitely a new thing. You think about the things that we offer, the things that are different, yeah. right? From compensation and creativity to continuing education, all the things that our benefits that are differentiators, I think makes it a really attractive place to be. Yeah. And like, I, I can't speak enough for what our current franchises are doing. Although I know we have several clinic directors hired in Minnesota only when, when we post a job, it's, it's not a, it's not a question of how many are we going to get, right? There's not a, a shortage of applicants for whatever reason. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, and it makes sense. Right. I mean, I, I think the way you kind of explained to us how, 
how most therapists are spending a good portion of their time, right? On the administrative things that it's not why they got into what they do. Uh, it's not how they would prefer to be spending their time. I mean, you guys are giving them the ability to come in and, you know, they do have more control over their hours and the type of patients that they're seeing and, and they get to spend the vast majority, if not all of their time doing what they want to be doing. I mean, that's, that's huge, right? So it makes perfect sense to me why, you know, recruiting good people and, and keeping them would not be, um, you know, a huge challenge for, for your franchise owners. So, so let's talk a little bit about the, the patients then, or, or the clients. Um, what is, what does that typically look like? Is this like a one-time visit or are most of your clients coming in, you know, on a regular basis? And if so, what does that typically look like? I'm sure it varies, but what's, what's kind of the, the, the general client look like? Yeah, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of one time unless it's kind of a bad fit, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's not a lot of, oh, you can solve or work through all of your stuff in one session. Um, maybe it happens, but we typically see clients stay for an average of nine months and probably an average of three times a month in that nine months, right? Okay. And we have, we have some, we have some programs that are timed that have a start and end date. Um, that are more okay. outcome based, and then we have people that 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 kind of fall into that window. But we also have people that kind of maintain like a maintenance session once a month after that, right? So there is ongoing maintenance support, talk through stuff, right? I mean, I really, I really believe, like in today's world, like my therapist, like I get to talk to her for an hour once a week with her phone down or not anywhere near her, giving me dedicated attention with no judgment. And at the yeah. end, she says, "I can see how that'd be hard for you." I'm like good for another week, right? Like this concept of maintenance is something that's really important for people's mental health. Yeah. And so you see people stick around for longer than that nine months, but that's typically what we've seen as an average, as you look at our, at our insurance stuff. Okay. So, so it, for the most part is a recurring revenue kind of business model, Rachel, I'm sure this is a question that you get all the time. Um, and, and I know from what I've learned about Ellie, it's going to vary from one state to the next, but for the most part, are these services that, you know, a client's insurance is covering? Is it private pay? Are they paying out of pocket? Is it a combination? What is What does that typically look like? It's different everywhere. Um, yeah. It is a question I get every time. Um, <laughs> I think, so a couple of things. One, it is very different. You know, in some states, when we just take a look at what therapists are currently taking, sometimes therapists, you know, half the therapists, when we pull therapists in an area, might only take private pay. And then the okay. other half might take private pay and insurance. Um, those are indicators for us of where that market might be. Um, ultimately, I think there it's very hard to negotiate with your payers for reimbursement contracts. Um, for individual therapists, you know, they may not get um, the reimbursements that they would hope to get that they can demand on a private pay standpoint. Um, and even for group practices, it can be difficult. Um, but the key with Ellie, I think in terms of helping franchisees figure out what that mix is, is that we are negotiating those contracts. So that's one of that for those first steps that we're taking. Again, that's one more thing that they don't need to worry about. And sure. although they're their own clinic, we're bringing all of this data of the many LA locations in, we're giving them a marketing packet, they can see the data. So yes, it's a clinic that's that's its own clinic, but it's part of a greater whole. Yeah. So systems, processes, results, expectations, those should all be in line with what the LA clinics have experienced. So the goal is then, you know, we're able to negotiate those reimbursements. And then in working with the franchisee, the franchisee can ultimately decide 
these are the insurance companies I want to work with. Um, so will there still be a mix of private pay and insurance? Yes, um, but we will have insurance. And one of the other key differentiators compared to some group clinics is that all of our clinicians will be credentialed with each of the insurance companies. Um, so it's not a one-off, you know, that you're waiting for that one therapist that's covering them. Um, so I think there's a lot of consistencies there with that approach. It, it makes sense. And so, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, sometimes when, when Ellie recruits a therapist, that therapist may have just been doing private pay prior, right? And it's probably because they didn't want to deal with the hassle of, of trying to, you know, get reimbursed with insurance and all of that. Is it likely to think that once that therapist is now working with Ellie, they're going to be able to do both private pay and insurance because of all of this support that, that the Ellie franchise yes. locations are getting. And mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense, right? In, in so many franchise businesses, it's one of the biggest ways in which a franchisor can add value back to their franchisees, right? Leveraging the scale of the entire system, right? And some, and some, franchises buying power, right? One of the franchises we own, you know, we buy from distributors, right? But the franchisor has national contracts in place with these distributors. I was getting better pricing month one on product than a guy that had been in the same business for 10 years in my market, but he was just one guy, right? He didn't have any leverage. He didn't do any significant amount of volume by himself. So it sounds like Ellie, especially as, as Ellie continues to grow, in terms of their footprint across the country, you're going to have some similar type of leverage with the insurance companies to negotiate reimbursements and, and things along those lines. Absolutely. Yeah. We get over right like, our 25,000 clients that we've seen and served that data across the other States to make sure insurance companies understand. Yeah. The kind that's of quality huge. That we bring. Massive. Uh, is there, is there potential for, I don't know if this would be applicable or not national accounts down the road as you have more franchisees in any of those kind of national relationships that could, could trickle down to the franchisees or. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff. So talk about innovation being a big thing. We have a, a senior director of innovation and someone that helps with, with programs and partnerships that is looking at just that, right? There's a couple of things that we're doing uh, that would allow us to create a national footprint that would then farm clients down to franchisees, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the folks in Minnesota have no desire to run a clinic in a different state. We have no desire to serve people in a different state, right? We chose to franchise for the fact that you know your community better than, than I ever would, yeah. right? And there's no way that I'd ever show up there and naively think that I, I could do it better than you. So our goal in this national footprint is to serve people with our quality with the folks that we've that we've brought on board, right? So there's some programs working on with, with the YMCA. There's some other things mm -hmm. we're doing with police departments nationally. There's a lot of things yeah. that we have in process that will allow our franchises to benefit from it from a client perspective. For sure. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I would just, you know, imagine there's so many potential opportunities out there. And and as Ellie gets bigger, it'll only be easier and easier to, to tap into, you know, some of those opportunities. It's somewhat tough until your footprint's big enough to, to really develop some of these relationships on a national level, but you guys are well on your way to having a, a very strong national footprint. Um, if we could, I won't take up too much more of, of your time, but could you, could you kind of walk us through like some of the different, cause, cause you mentioned earlier, this is what sparked this question. Um, you know, you have like some programs that kind of have a set beginning and end time. I mean, are there different, different types of services that are being provided? You know, for example, you know, are there certain services that might be geared towards a veteran that's struggling with some PTSD or someone that's got, 
you know, maybe some addiction challenges or things along those lines? I mean, what are some of the different, I guess, categories of service that, that are commonly being provided for your clients? Yeah, I think they could try to break it down in that way. So we have therapists that provide all kinds of things from play therapy for kids, right? To um, CPT or EMDR. There's a bunch of different modalities that our, that our folks see and there's no okay. age, restri- age restriction. So there's no one that, that goes unserved in the work that we do, right? And the LA Match tool, what allows us to do is start to understand trends to say, hey, mm-hmm. someone's called in, had five or six people call in with this kind of thing and we don't have enough people. Mm-hmm. Let's either build a, build a continuing education course around it to get people some education let's go recruit that person, right? So we're consistently working to fill the gap, but we have a gap in access to services. But some other things we do that are non-traditional, right? We do a lot of complex family system work, right? Which is not insurance funded. It's um, court ordered therapy or situation for divorcing parents. Uh, We currently have the largest police wellness council program in the country, right? Where we get to do wellness consult with police departments and police officers to make sure that they're in the right space of mind as they go. Uh, and protect our community. So there's a lot of things that we do that are non-traditional revenue generating or support providing. Um, but we consistently look for ways to make sure there's not a population that's underserved for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, Rachel, could you just quickly, and I'd, I'd encourage anyone listening to this, you know, go online, check out Ellie's website. I'll make sure there's a link posted in the show notes, but you know, another thing that's very different about what Ellie's doing is, is really just the look and feel of the the locations right where people are are coming in can you speak to that rachel yeah absolutely so it's you know for us it's not about coming into a a hospital sterile clinical environment yeah and it's also not you know i think when people think about oh a therapist and you see some of the movies and they're in an old room and it's dark and dreary with old furniture so it's it's none of that you know what we really want people to feel like is they're sitting down with a friend in their living room you know, we really focus on a lot of natural light in our clinics. Um, so you have that warmth and feeling of natural light coming into the room. Um, it's more of a modern, clean aesthetic, um, mm-hmm. but very cozy. You know, there's rugs, there's artwork, there's plants, there's pillows. Um, so it's meant just to feel comfortable because if you can imagine, you know, we've we've already taken some anxiety out of the process. You know, we've we've helped them book that appointment. They come in, they don't need to say their name out loud. They check in, yeah. it's simple. You know, you don't get the clipboard with four sheets of information. Um, so, so they're very, very comfortable and they already know that their therapist has already sent them you know, their communication. They know their, their therapist's name. Um, so just getting them into that room, it's just an extension of that comfort level. And you know, just that whole process is meant to just establish a good relationship make it a great place that people feel safe that they want to come back to week after week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, that was one of the things that stuck out to me the first time I got introduced to Ellie, you know, we were on a webinar and you had some pictures of the locations and and that was kind of one of those light bulb moments for me too. Cause I picture, you know, more of a clinical, you know, doctor office kind of fill and, and that's certainly not comfortable. Uh, you know, I forget what the term is, but most people's blood pressure goes up just when they're hanging out in the waiting room at the doctor's office, uh, because it's not, it's not a comfortable inviting setting. So definitely go check out. I I know you guys have some good pictures, uh, on the website examples of that. Um, I mean, what, what have we not hit on? I mean, Chris, I think you, you mentioned it earlier, but, um, I mean, Ellie's just had amazing success so far. Uh, since you've launched the franchise opportunity, I think you said 40 some franchisees already. 
Um, you know, most of those are, if not all of those at this point in time are still in the process of getting their locations open. Yeah. Are, are you seeing, are you seeing most franchisees looking at this as a, a, a multi-unit opportunity or most people coming in with the intention of ultimately opening up multiple clinics? Yeah. Multiple clinics yeah. is, is for sure uh, more than norm. And yeah. I think it talks about a couple of different reasons why is there's the economy of scale from yeah. a cost perspective and a revenue cash flow perspective, but the demand is so great. Right. And there's so many people that, that need access to services. And if you can grab a territory and make sure you have the ability to help those folks, people are, yeah. are scooping up more than one at a time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes sense to me. Um, you know, economies of scale, this is, this is, unless you're just in an area where it wouldn't make sense to have more than one because it's not, not populated enough, um, you know, multi-unit play for sure. Um, what, what have we not hit on? Have I, have I missed anything that you guys would want to make sure the audience has heard or, or knows about Ellie? No, you know, I think for me, the, there's like two things that are really important to me. One is the pe people that might be concerned or nervous about an emerging brand that's, that's going this fast. Right. And I think we're very mindful of that. And we have been since the beginning, uh, which is why we have a partner with Repum Group to help us kind of maintain our strategy and our growth. Right. But we are a growth minded company. We've grown on a different scale, but from three people to 16 offices. So we have experience scaling uh, and we're not afraid to invest. Right. So we are definitely investing in making sure our people are set up and that we're secure. Right. We won't oversell. We won't do anything to make sure we jeopardize what would be a client experience, which is most important to us at the end of the day. Uh, but also we want these franchises to be successful, right? There is, there is a belief that we have what we want to be and the people that join our family, we need them to be successful for that to, for that to happen. So that's, yep. that's one thing. And the second thing is for me, like this is not a bottom line business, right? And so as you look for people that are looking for opportunities that are cash flow or what's the net or whatever, like those things are less important to me than someone's passion or connection or story behind why they believe mental health is something that's so, so important, right? Yeah. I believe if you do it correctly, the other things that you want come, right? Like there's no doubt about our PLs prove that out, but I yeah. care about people that want to do the good work and do it really well and reap the rewards after, not someone that goes the other way to make sure they can get their net and do those things. Because in that case, you don't actually do what's best for the, for the client, you do what's best for your bottom line. Yeah. And that is not anything we're interested in. It's never been a part of our mindset or mantra and never will be. So there's definitely a, a characteristic of someone that we want. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, it's someone's got that passion or connection for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think we call it the L-E-Y. You know, mm -hmm. what is your why? And there's a, a common thread across the board in all of our franchisees. They have a personal story. I mean, we've had tears at, at discovery days, decision days. And it's been, you know, it's, it's just been heartwarming to see people saying, you know what, I've, I've had a great career, I've done this, and I've been looking at businesses and franchises, but I really connect with this. I can do something good, and I can help other people the same way that I've been helped in my life. Oh, and, and that's so important, right? I mean, everyone I work with, you know, as I'm kind of guiding them through this process, because people overlook this in my experience, you know, a lot of people do come into it, and they're, they're all about the numbers, right? They want to see what the the ROI looks like. And of course that's important, right? I mean, if you're investing in a franchise, making money and seeing a return on your investment is, is definitely part of that. But, you know, really understanding what the culture is of the organization that you're going to be joining is, is hugely important because that can, if it is a good fit culturally, that can go on to benefit you as a franchisee in so many ways 
long term. You know, if you if you get into a franchise and, and maybe it's not the best cultural fit, doesn't mean you can't be successful. But if it is a good culture fit, and especially if that franchisor has intentionally, you know, created a culture that they want, that's that's going to go on to benefit you as a franchisee in so many ways. And 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 I'm glad that you you took a minute to to talk on that point, Chris, because you know I've gotten to to meet you guys in person, um, and and it's very clear. You know, when I listen to you, when I when I hear you, whether it's in more of a formal setting or an informal setting, you know, you guys are very, very intentional about the culture that you're creating at Ellie. And you want to make sure that the franchise owners that that come in are a good fit for that. And, and look, the business was designed to make money. Right. And like you said, your your P&Ls prove that out. But you're not as interested in, you know, the the prospective franchisee that's simply looking at at the numbers and looking for a good investment opportunity. I, I agree. I think it's it's very important to have someone that that has that why um, for, for any business, right? Because we all know, you know, there's going to be challenges in business, right? Regardless of what the business is, having that strong why makes it easier to push through the the hard times. Um, so I'm glad you took a minute to, to speak on that. But um, yeah, I've had a lot of fun watching, um, you know, what you guys are doing. I've got someone coming out to, to Minnesota to, to meet you in March. I think we're recording this in like mid-February right now. Um, so it's, it's an amazing opportunity. Uh, really appreciate you guys making time to join me here on the podcast and share a little bit more about Ellie. Um, I'll post a link to the website. If anyone out there listening is interested in learning more, definitely reach out to me. We can talk about it. Um, you know, this is one, my guess, you know, a year from now, if I go back and listen to this podcast, things will be very different and it'll be, uh, you know, the big question will be, I, I don't know if there's any territory available. Uh, we'll, we'll have to check and see. So, um, you guys are doing an amazing job. Keep doing what you're doing and really appreciate you making time to drop in here on the path to freedom podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. I guess I think the thing that's been most impressive to me is the people you get to meet along the way. Right. And, yeah. and I, I also know that Without repping, we wouldn't be where we are. Without folks like you at Franchise and buying those great candidates and kind of getting that passion story delivered for us, we wouldn't be here either. So I just want to say thank you for sure to you as well. Oh, absolutely. It's easy with brands like this. So um, appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.